God, we're so thankful for the opportunity you give us to um, just be challenged by your word as we fellowship together. God, we're thankful for the truths that you reveal to us through your scripture. Thankful for the ability you've given us to uh, meditate upon them, to think on them, and to apply them to our lives. And Lord, we pray that that would be so this morning. God, as we look at such a familiar passage, uh, Lord, I pray it would just go deep in us um, and that it would resonate with our spirit and God, just transform our, our picture of who you are and what you have for us and what you've done for us. God, be with me now. Um, may my, my words be your spirit speaking and remove me from this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as Mark indicated, we are starting a new sort of mini-series, Interrupting Our Casket uh, Old Testament survey series, um, not because I'm done looking at the Old Testament, but because, uh, yeah, God just has been um, challenging me with this idea and concept and, I guess, vision for what discipleship looks like uh, and what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. And when I was looking at the end of the year, I was like, Exodus is really big, I don't think I'm going to wrap it up before Christmas. There's no way. And it looked like a great opportunity to to move in a different direction for a moment, take a pause from the Old Testament and and look at something different. And uh, part of what I've been studying has been the Lord's Prayer and uh, its function in our lives as we follow Jesus. Um, You know, as you think about discipleship, the Lord's Prayer might not be the first thing that comes to mind, the first passage that really comes to mind when you think about discipleship and being a disciple is the Great Commission, which we've talked about before when Jesus comes to his disciples before he ascends and says, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teach, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded to you. Well, when you unpack what he really has challenged his followers to do in that, that second portion of teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you is a very important piece that we don't often uh, chew on enough. Um, I think one of the most important things that Jesus models for us, teaches to us in his life, is that as he is on earth, as God incarnate, one of the patterns and routines of his life was to commune with his father. When the crowds were gathering around, he consistently and regularly gets away just to be before his father in heaven. It's powerful to think about that because he's God. He has no lack or no need. He's, he's full in and of himself. Jesus. But he's also one with his Father. And as the uh, events of his earthly life are coming toward him, he seeks refuge and seeks communion with his Father in heaven, whom with he has been dwelling for eternity. And so one of the things he models to us is this consistent, regular pursuit of being with the Father, communing with the Father, speaking to the Father. 
And in one instance, he teaches us from the Sermon on the Mount how we ought to pray. And so this is no doubt familiar to you. We just basically sung the prayer itself. Um, But it says this in Matthew 6. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at those five verses. Complete contrast from the past five months or whatever. Um, Today, we're just looking at this first statement. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. This whole prayer is just rich with truth about who our God is, and um, if we're not careful, often we can turn examples like this into just mantras that we repeat and not think about them, and I think, unfortunately, that kind of is what this has become for many people. They hear someone start, our Father in heaven, and it's just, oh, that's the Lord's prayer. I'm not really thinking anymore. We're just saying words. But it really behooves us to stop and step back and say, when we say the Lord's Prayer, or when we pray in a pattern of the Lord's Prayer, what does that look like? It looks like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What God has done for us And Jesus has given us the opportunity to call upon our Creator, to speak with our Father in heaven. So it it really is about discipleship when we talk about being able to pray with our Father. Because what Jesus came and accomplished by giving his life on the cross is giving you an opportunity to be restored to relationship with your Father in heaven. To come and call and cry out to him and seek him and say, God, Daddy in heaven. It's literally the tone of this. Dad in heaven, you are holy. So if we're going to be those that pattern our lives after Jesus, we need to know more about what he is teaching us through this prayer. So for the next six weeks, we are talking about the Lord's Prayer and prayer in general. And so I came across this quote uh, this week that, I felt was important about, about both meditation and prayer, and uh, it's from Richard Foster. It says this, If you feel that we live in a purely physical universe, you'll view meditation and prayer as a good way to obtain a consistent alpha brainwave pattern. 
But if you believe we live in a universe created by the infinite personal God who delights in our communion with him, you will see meditation as communication between the lover and the one beloved. It's important for us not to see prayer as just getting my self in sync with reality, getting my brain right, something that's just beneficial to my existence in this life. It's not just about that. It's literally about conversing, having relationship with a true being that exists and wants to speak to you and wants you to speak to him. It's not about achieving some sort of inner peace on your own strength through just pause. It's about true communion with the one who created you. So when Jesus says, this is how we ought to pray, Dad in heaven, he's telling us that, that this is who you're talking to. You're talking to your creator. And not in just some like um, sort of separate sense. God is the one who formed you in your mother's womb. He's your creator. He's your dad. And he's in heaven. That statement alone is important for us to recognize as something we believe. There are many who believe that, you know, we just are all going to become one with the universe in some capacity. And, uh, and, and that's sort of the end all that we have. There are some who believe that God doesn't exist at all. And so when we say, Dad in heaven, we're making a theological statement about what we believe. We believe God exists. We believe he's in heaven. We believe he's akin to our daddy, and he cares for us in the manner in which a dad should Our God is in heaven. And because of Jesus, we can speak to him. Our God is also holy. Hallowed be your name, it says. Or set apart as holy. He's a good God. He's perfect. There's no shadow of turning in him. Everything he is, is righteous. There's nothing wrong in him at all. And he's our dad. This good and perfect God in heaven accepts you through Jesus as his son, 
as his daughter. He's holy and approachable. On Thursday, we spent some time looking at a picture of God's presence, of of where he is in the heavens. When it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we looked at a description of that from Revelation chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to read that now. There's a lot of beautiful language in it, and I just ask you, uh, for the moment at least, to just picture the words that I'm speaking, and I'll just speak them slowly so that you can spend some time picturing this. If you feel that you're able to picture this better by closing your eyes, I welcome you to do that. If you can somehow make holographics in front of your eyes, then, you know, feel free to do that as well. Um, But just listen. When it says God is holy... This is John's experience with God, the Holy One. And also, remember this, this is what Jesus has paid for us to approach. It's shocking. Revelation chapter 4, John records this. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, casting their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I was struck by this picture this week because I happened to be reading it uh, this past week as in my normal reading plan, and I came across it and just thought that when the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the picture I should have of a throne with peals of thunder and lightning coming out of it. He is all-powerful and almighty. Even the most powerful creatures that John could describe, these four living creatures, eyes all around in great power and authority, they bow down continually to this figure crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And when they cry out, these elders, these who have passed away, I believe, and risen into heaven, they fall down in worship. Saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. What contrast that picture is to what we would think of as a father. It it seems unapproachable. It seems like we would just be burnt up in its presence. These peals of thunder, these these creatures all around, this powerful sea. And Jesus says, when you approach this figure, this throne, this place of heaven, approach it like this. Our Father. Dad. This holy all-powerful, mighty God loves you like a dad ought to love you perfectly. He is our Father. He's in heaven and He is holy. It's important that we hold this picture in our minds when we're trying to uh, grow closer to our Father in heaven. He is full of all strength, all might, all power. And He knows exactly what we need before we ask. And He desires to give us all that we need 
He's our dad. And we can come to him. We talked about some on Thursday how um, it can be difficult to approach God because of many things. Because of things in ourselves, because of things, a picture of we have of what a dad ought to be. We each talked some on Thursday about how our relationship with our earthly father has in some ways affected our relating to our father in heaven. And so when we see a picture of this, of pure holiness and power, it is sometimes difficult to get beyond what is in our flesh and our earthly experience to what is true. What Scripture challenges us to do is know that our Father in heaven is perfect and holy. It cares for us in a perfect and good way. So any baggage we have from earthly relationship, whether with father or friend or whatever, that is getting between us and our Father in heaven, we need to put aside actively put aside and trust in what the Word says about who God is. He loves you. He is perfect and holy. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. Before Jesus jumps into this prayer, He says, don't be like those who uh, heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles, but know this, that your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He cares for you. and knows exactly what you need. So it's important as we consider this um, picture of understanding the Father's heart and being a follower of Jesus, that we cast aside what we um, are hung up by in the flesh. And we're hung up by a number of things. We're hung up by our own sin and brokenness. And the glory of the gospel is that what Jesus has done on the cross has restored you to perfect relationship with your Father. And so, Christian, you've come to place your faith in Jesus. You can go boldly before this very throne 
and ask for God's help. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. One of the schemes of the evil one is this, to make you feel you are unworthy to approach your God, to make you feel that your sin has somehow separated you from the love of God. The word says nothing can separate you from the love our Father has for you in Christ Jesus. And so you too can pray as Jesus instructed to pray, Dad in heaven, you are holy. And when you do that, you're before the almighty creator of everything who is full of power and present in all circumstance. As Hebrews said, with confidence draw near to him, receiving mercy and grace to help in your time of need. So we have to cast aside the lies about who we are. We also have to cast aside the perception we have about who God is. Sometimes we think of God as just distant and uninterested in our lives. Just this powerful being that, you know, has better things to tend to than us. Unfortunately, that's often a belief that's been perpetuated by our earthly experience with fathers. They seemed too busy. They seemed distant. Maybe they weren't even there. When Jesus says you can cry out to your Father in heaven, you should not approach your Father in heaven as you would your broken Father on earth. Many dads model well what a dad should be to their child. Many don't. And so we cannot apply the way we approach our dads on earth to the way we approach our dad in heaven perfectly. We have to cast aside that broken understanding of what a dad is and know that a dad that is right knows exactly what his child needs before they ask and provides exactly as needed for them. always there, always willing to hear, always willing to be with you. Our God is in heaven, and our God is holy, but our God is the perfect Father 
who loves us perfectly, who is always there for us. And so as we grow as disciples of Jesus, it starts with us enjoying that which Jesus died to restore, which is a relationship with our Father in heaven. Let's go with this. I challenge you this week. So often when we pray, we come and pray and say um, sort of a laundry list of things we need God to show up in. Don't get me wrong. He wants to hear that. (laughs) But let us also recognize how this prayer starts out our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Let's praise him for who he is. Let's recognize his power and authority in our lives. I challenge you just to not quickly go to your list of needs in prayer, but dwell at worship, adore Praise God for who He is and what He has done. I challenge you in this as well. Maybe I should have challenged you. Maybe this first. Maybe this one should have been first challenge. Let's switch, switch these. This one's first. I'm saying it's second, but this one's first. Okay. I challenge you this first. <laughs> Be like Jesus. Okay, crowds were like flocking to him constantly at one point in his ministry. He was overrun with people looking for a healing or looking for ministry or looking for a teaching or, or whatever. Okay? As busy a schedule as could possibly be, he had. But he made it a priority to get away and be with his Father in heaven. You may not have a mountain to run to to do that as he did. But I'm sure you've got a closet. I'm sure you've got a car. I'm I'm sure you've got a room where you can be with your Father in heaven and stop the cares of your day and just sit with him. It is a sacrifice of time, but I would challenge you that it is the most important sacrifice of time that you will make. Jesus doesn't command them to pray. He just assumes they are going to pray as his disciples. And when you pray, not if you pray, So first, let's go with this. Find time this week to be with your Father. To commune with Him. To enjoy that which Christ has purchased for you. 
And then back to the second one. Second, <laughs> don't start with a laundry list of things. Start with some praise of this picture of who God is, holy and powerful, mighty in all things. Thank Him. Thank Him first for that which He has done for you. Thank Him first for who He is. And then tell Him everything. I'm so thankful for the pattern Jesus shows us. He lived a perfect life, and we know that. And one of the most perfect things he did was to not forsake his relationship with his dad. And so I challenge us not to forsake that. Uh, But as we look in the next few weeks, help us desire, help us pursue the heart that our Father God has for us. one of provision, one of protection, one of a knowing of His character, a revelation constantly of who He is in our lives. Our entire lives are an instruction on the holiness of our Creator. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. God, we are so grateful that you're holy. You aren't some dualist God. You're not part good and part bad. You are 100% perfect. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your strength is infinite. Your existence is eternal, past and future. You are the one who was, who is, and is to come. You're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. You are holy, holy, holy. God, I pray that your spirit would convict us of that. Lord, I pray through my inadequacy that you would be seen as true and pure. And also loving and available, and willing to be known by us. We're so thankful that you've made that possible, that broken individuals like us could stand before you righteous because of the blood of Jesus. It's so easy to gloss over how amazing a truth that is, God. But you are the one that stands on a rainbow that looks like an emerald who is jasper and carnelian in appearance, 
who has thunder and lightning flying out from his presence. The great beasts bow down and worship before you constantly. And God, you invite us to be your sons and your daughters. My mind cannot reconcile those truths. I simply give you the glory for it. And pray that I would know it more and more each and every day. Worthy are you to receive glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen.